there, Foxes fans, and welcome back to yet another edition of the U.S. Foxes podcast. Coming to you live, as always, from various parts of the United States after another horrible international break. Let's just get rid of those altogether. Let's put that petition. If you're a longtime listener, you know my thoughts on the international break. So more than happy it's over and insanely happy to be back with you all on our lovely little podcast this evening, I am joined by two of my wonderful co-hosts over in New York City, Mr. Jason Becker of the New York Foxes. What's up, my brother? Um, happy to see you guys. Happy that this break is ending. We've got our Lester coming back. And also happy that that means I can take a little break from the sorry state of New York City sports right now. Ooh, buddy. Yeah, uh, for those of you that uh, follow the NFL as well, you might have seen that Jason's Giants got off to a less than stellar start. So we won't we won't dwell on that. But yeah, losing forty to nothing is like um, I don't know that nine nil win against Southampton maybe times two. It was pretty bad. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty rough start to the year. Uh, down in Houston, joining us this evening from the Texas Foxes, Mr. Jim Harris. What's up, bud? Hey, how's it going, everybody? Good to be back after a little break away from from the pod due to work and also not having any games for the last weekend. Doing well, though. Uh, and I'm just happy to be in the NFL. Um, if, there are, if relegation existed, the Texans would not even be in it. <laughs> yeah, the Col- Colts are about the same. But, hell, if relegation existed, I mean, half the league wouldn't exist anymore. And talk about teams like Cleveland and stuff, who apparently are on the up and up. My wife's a Browns fan, and they looked really good against the Bengals. But uh, I digress. This is not an NFL pod. This is the U.S. Foxes podcast, and we have so much to cover, you guys. Thank you for bearing with us over that little uh, break that we took. Um, all sorts of stuff happened. The transfer window finally closed, something that we were all just literally counting down the seconds until that happened. So sick of everything being up in the air. So we finally got some finality to our roster, some ins and outs. So we'll touch on that. Uh, lost a hole. Our first loss of the season happened. We'll get into that and uh, our thoughts on the state of the team. Uh, we can look ahead. Southampton this on Friday this week, we're going to be possibly the most anticipated matchup of the year, depending on who you talk to around the league. Um, and yeah, we've got so we got all sorts of stuff, some questions at the end and, and all sorts of stuff to touch on uh, after this break, guys. So, yeah, let's dive right into it, boys. Um, tra- let's start with the transfer window finally closing. I think it's a good spot to start. We uh, finally get a striker in. Finally, uh, Tom Cannon comes over from Everton, young Englishman. Um, I guess we'll start with you, Jim, your thoughts on uh, the new striker and uh, to have a new uh, young English striker again feels pretty good, huh? It does, yeah. I think looking at, he had a great finish to the season last season with Preston and some of his goals look pretty instinctive. Um, Pun or no pun intended, he does have a bit of a foot like a cannon, so it's nice to see a striker that wallops it into the back of the net. Um, and he certainly was doing that last season. You know, young a young youngster, I don't think we, you know, 20, we don't really want to put too much pressure on him. I'm sure he'll be eased in. You know, I'm sure we'll ask the question marks, why didn't, if he's so good, why didn't Everton want to keep him? Bearing in mind, they are so profligate in front of goal um, this season and pretty much last season as well. But yeah, exciting stuff. 
Born in England, he's a youth international for the Republic of Ireland. Uh, any other news you can fill us in there, Jason? Well, first things first, I wouldn't use uh, Everton's decision making as as a good barometer for you know whether or not we should sign a player because the, the football related decisions happening at that club are have been shocking. Uh, they're just run like a mess, and it's a miracle to me that they stayed up and they've been able to stay up as long as they they've had. So I wouldn't hold that uh, against young, uh, young Tom. Uh, but yeah, he, he's definitely, you know, an instinctive striker. And I think that we're looking for a bit more of that profile, uh, especially as we're trying to break down teams with a low block. He's, you know, decently, you know, big guy too. Um, he also does seem to like to play on the on the back shoulder of strikers um, when he has that opportunity there too, and looks like to me like he can hit the ball well with both feet. So, um, and we do need to keep an eye on uh, the second half of the season and when the African Cup of Nations starts, and that is that will be happening during this season. And Iannaccio will likely be gone for a good month playing uh, in the African Cup of Nations if. Pats and Daka is still on our books at that time. He'll likely be away too. So that's two strikers, and we're just left with Jamie Vardy as a number nine. So uh, it does make sense to get some depth in that position, especially when we're trying to offload um, at least one of the strikers that we currently have. Yeah, AFCON is that it's a total, you know, just thrown into the season, just kind of screws up the season and it. Uh, you know, it, it and it, for whatever reason, because of our recruiting or whatever, it has seemed to affected us. You know, multiple times now due to you know Indeedy and Nacho and those guys being on the team. So you brought up his name, Pats and Daka. Let's we might as well dive into it real quick, guys, because that is a name that we all uh, were shocked to see not make it over to Bournemouth. And depending on who you talk to, uh, Rudkin fucked it up, or depending on who you talk to, Bournemouth fucked it up, or his agent. I mean, there's all sorts of speculation and rumors around there. I unfortunately don't have anything solid. Uh, but can you give us any more insight into that, Jason? What I mean, do we have we had anything solid of what happened in this year? Because that was a done deal, depending on who you talk to. And depend, yeah, done deal for for three different clubs. You know, we spent the morning um, reading all the reports that he was off to AC Milan. That didn't happen. And then by you know all accounts, he rejected a move to Burnley to go for uh, to go to Bournemouth. And then it does seem like um, everyone thought that they was happening, uh, including both clubs. And for reasons still to be determined, it just kind of fell apart at the end. I think that's why it also took so long to announce um, the signing of, of Tom Cannon and, you know, that had happened much earlier in the day and we were kind of holding on to that. I think, um, you know, some of the terms may have been, you know, contingent on, on what happened with Pats and DACA. And, um, you know, I'm just as surprised as, as everyone else that he's still on the, the team. Uh, I think overall, like our incomings have been, very good this transfer window but um just the the state of the club right now and the outgoings that we all thought would happen and you know just uh, didn't happen it's just it's, it's a little baffling to me and you know i'm not sure why we are uh insisting on keeping certain players you know on the books when there clearly isn't a spot for them on the team 
Yeah, Harry Suter, another one uh, that we thought was a done deal who now will (laughs) – this is such a weird position now, Jim, for these guys who, you know, we had heard about the list of guys that had said they didn't want to play championship football and then – we heard about the the mystery six that came to Enzo and said that they did. They changed their mind and they wanted to play. So now we've got uh, Pat Sandaka and and you know Harry Suter, both of them. Are do you, Jim? In your opinion, are they? Do we try and reintegrate these guys into the club, into the side. Like, what do you do in this position? I think I think Enzo's made it kind of clear that. And Jason, you talked about this in the last pod about sort of he knows his team and he knows what he wants from players um and so i think he's starting to build the squad of players that can do the things that he wants i think yeah we're gonna you know we're seeing it's a work in progress and it's you know maybe taking a bit longer than some would like but we've not had a long preseason. we've not had a lot of time to get these players together and and so forth but you know some of some of us may say hey pat sandaka was going to sign the paperwork with bournemouth but he missed the page you know that might be why it fell through but sorry but that would be a terrible joke to make you know i think harry i don't know if many anyone watched the harry you know australia play mexico harry Souter, you know was sort of you know lauded as the i think the guardian said the hero and the villain of that game he he scored a header you know he you know he contributed and then you know kind of contributed to the goal <laughs> goals that Mexico scored as well. So like, I think we maybe are seeing like why he's not in the team. If he's not kind of up to sort of the, the, the tidy standards or if he's got a bit recklessness in him where I think someone like Vestergaard is, he doesn't do anything spectacular. You know, Ollie's been saying for weeks, he's been solid. Yeah, fine. He's been solid, but not special, but he's not kind of made a massive mistake that sort of cost us, you know, a game or kind of getting getting booked. Um, whether that's generous or not, I don't know. I think we may have been had a bit of luck in that too. So maybe that's kind of what Enzo's seeing. And it's like the guy, you know, he's not bringing some stuff to the table. I, well, can you blame Suter for, you know, having a game and being all over the place? I mean, the guy hasn't played a competitive yeah. minute in forever. Exactly. Yeah, yeah that's... That's so strange, and it, what I, what'll be interesting to me is to see how the players. Um, yeah, it's it, sorry, go on, Matt. It was almost no, like go you, ahead. I, I was going to say it's like he had Danny Ward in goal, so he decided you know, maybe he got <laughs> a shout behind him to to, to leave the ball. Um, yeah, I, I I just I'm curious how these players, you know, and their attitudes will be because you know I think of players like uh, Pappy Mendy a few years ago when he was left off the side and literally just worked his ass off so hard in, you know, training that Brendan suddenly brought him back on the side. Remember that? So maybe we see something like that where Patson, I mean, we've never yeah. once heard anything bad about Patson's attitude or anything like that, you know, being a distraction, anything like that. So maybe these guys, you know, embrace it and just take it as a challenge and take their game up that level. Can either of you speak on the rumor about the $5 million fee that we owe uh, Salzburg. This is a rumor that we owed Salzburg five million if Patson pay, plays one more uh, game for us. Did you guys hear that at all? Well, it does sound like it's something that's right up our alley, considering you know we've made loan signings like heavily dependent on player appearances, and we seem to be you know trying to come up with you know every 
financial, you know, trick in the book. Um, you know, there were, you know, we can touch on this later on, but there's, you know, all the reports have come out now that we took out a loan to get the uh, Madison payments early. We do, we seem to be, you know, trying to be as creative as possible with the finances. So, um, yeah, I, I wouldn't put it put it past us to um, structure a deal like that. With, with okay, Salzburg. if you're Salzburg, you have to, you know, that that kind of deals at the time you would have thought it made made a lot of sense. Vardy being his age, um, Pat's and Doc are probably, you know, the the thinking was that he'd slot in to be Vardy's successor. And at the time, you know, Iannaccio was not playing very much. So if you're, you know. Salzburg and you've got a guy that you know has recently put up numbers that were comparable to Erling Hollands you're probably counting on that money yeah that's a good point yeah, so, yeah I, I think the other thing is both Suter and Dakar have been registered so I think the door's not closed for them I think they they've got probably the fact that a lot of the signings we've made or you know the promotion of the of, of some of the younger players have helped in their favor. You know, Tom Cannon doesn't need to be registered because he's a homegrown player, for example. So whether that's a strategic signing as well, Jason, you know, Jason, to your point, it's like, hey, it's it's kind of long-term coverage, but he also doesn't need to be registered. Matt, you mentioned it gives us that sort of backup for AFCON as well. Um, you know, we I think we can see a world where there's games that Suter needs to come in when we're playing more physical teams. We've kind of played... A couple in Cardiff, um, and trying to think who else was sort of a bit more physical. But Cardiff was certainly the one of the most physical. But I don't think it was as rough and tumble as we thought it might be. And whether that's just because the championship and football in general is evolving, you know, I think Pipe, Matt Piper were talking about League Two. You start seeing inverted fullbacks and playing it from the back now as well. I'm not sure I'd want to do that on a Sunday League match. You know, I don't think anyone would know where they are <laughs> if you don't drill it. <laughs> Um, but yeah, but you know, I can imagine him coming in and in you know in the winter months, and you need someone who's going to be putting it in rosette and clearing headers and in a swirling game, right? And so I think it's a sensible opinion to keep the options open. Yeah, and let's be real, guys. <laughs> Every other team in this league would chew off their left hand to have a player like Harry Suter and Pat Sandaka just chilling and not doing anything for their team. So uh, it's it's another situation where we've just got a freaking weird wealth of riches here, Jason. Yeah, I think we, you know, um, we have indiv there have been individual transactions that that i think are are very good you know and we haven't talked about fatau yet uh signing in you know a nice good young attacking um winger in him with a lot of potential looked very exciting against hull Eunice, who is a uh, highly rated uh, uh winger from from turkey so we have you know there there have been certain specific transactions um that I think I've been very good and very shrewd and there's a very clear plan. You can tell that you, we know exactly why we're signing these players. Um, that I think, you know, the, the, there's a kind of a, a running theme here, right? Um, there, and I think we're seeing a lot of, there are a lot of different perspectives that are, you know, circulating around the, the Leicester city, you know, supporters world. Um, we look at you know kind of individual results and performances and then looking at you know the 
the state of the season as a whole. And now that the transfers window is closed, the state of the squad as a whole. Um, and I think it's, it's easy to, to, you know, there, there are some, I think some very obvious wins there in the, in the transfer window. Uh, and then there are some, some larger questions that, um, that are still puzzling me and, um, and still do trouble me in just in terms of the, you know, the, some of the players that we still have on the books and the size of the squad for being in the second division. Yeah. There was never going to be a cheat code to get out of the transfer fucking mess that was left. <laughs> Unfortunately, there was going to, we, you know, the roosters were always going to come home to roost, I guess is the word of the phrase I'm looking for. Uh, it would have been nice to have just, you know, clicked our fingers and gotten everything we wanted to off the books. But unfortunately guys, this is not how it happens. And teams are not going to just roll over and be like, Oh yeah, sure. Let us help you out financially. No, what, what, what can we do for you? So um, yeah. Uh, Christensen also goes out on loan um, as well as Luke Thomas. So we see two left backs there who clearly don't fit into Enzo's plans take off. So glad that they'll both be getting game time somewhere else. Uh, and then also found somebody to take Buba Samare, which honestly is the most uh, impressive thing of the whole uh, window. If you ask me, because good God, <laughs> how long did it take him to get there? It's a little annoying, though, to see so many of these guys fail upward. Oh, I know. Don't get me. You know, yeah, to, dude, to go I to totally a club like Sevilla for, um, you know, to, you know, to Thomas to, you know, find where he did for, you know, just all these other players, Castagna and everyone else to find Premier League clubs. When a lot of these guys, you know, played a big, pretty big role in, in relegation, it's just, you know, it's a little bit of a you know of a tough pill to to swallow there. It's a little little yeah. ridiculous. I think it also just shows that like that a lot of these guys just you know were were already thinking about their next move you know before this last season even started and and and, and couldn't wait to to leave. Um, yeah, a lot of people were talking about Madison and and Barnes and thinking that we we're going to get a hundred million pounds for for both of those players and we have madison barnes victor christensen luke thomas um patson daka yuri telemans chagar sarionchu daniel amarty um uh, george hurst um you know another you know couple of players you know no need to go down the whole list and we didn't get to that number combined for all of those players yeah Let a lot of money walk out the door we're not able to sort out permanent moves for some of some players and we still have you know a lot of i don't want to call an, another human being this but we do have a, some dead wood some some redundancies there you know on the books that are still on the books for this year we are carrying five keepers we named four keepers on registered four keepers on the squad like there's no team anywhere in the pyramid that should be doing that. And we're stuck with contracts that we can't move in for whatever reason, whether it's like we're kind of, it almost feels like when you're on the outside looking in here, you know, sometimes we do get some, some good inside info, but um, if you're, if you're a supporter, if you're someone looking at this, it's like, why aren't we moving these players? 
why are we it's almost like we're cutting off our nose to spite our face with some of these deals and insisting on, on on top dollar instead of taking a small hit to just to move a player on when there is clearly no more room for them at the club um so a lot of wins a lot of you know exciting players i mean if, if you, matt if you talk to me about each of the incomings and you ask me ask me to grade them i would give very high marks for all of these incoming players i'm a big fan of pretty much everyone that we brought into the club um on the flip side you know i have concerns about you know players that are still on the books and the makeup of the squad and now i know it's very very difficult to do a complete rebuild of a squad in one window but uh, you can't tell me that there wasn't, you know, there weren't any, you know, decent offers or, or any way to get, you know, Danny War to, to move on and maybe to pay a portion of his salary instead yeah. of just having him just sit around and doing nothing. That's what or I mean. It's paying him for, yeah. for what? It, it, it just doesn't make sense to me, man. Like there, there, there's no club that we couldn't, find that we could find that would not take some of these players and you almost wonder if it's you know rudkin in the recruiting department just trying to save face a little bit by not having a number come out that's just so fucking embarrassing to them that i signed him for x and now we're selling him for x because i i honestly can't how do you not find a championship side that wants danny ward i mean you, you, like honestly we we say what we do about him but Look, I think we can't underestimate the player power that's happening right now. Look at the pa the player dynamic. This is the this summer and this sort of last year and eighteen months is like think forget about Bosman and all that, which is game changing. But this is literally the first time we've seen players willing to go and you know not Winston Bogart at Chelsea that was the famous story for the last fifteen years. This is like on mass players refusing to play, refusing to go anywhere, like. Danny Ward is essentially a cheerleader. You look at it, look at the clips of Danny Ward helping Mads Hermanson and Stolichek train and then high-fiving them as they walk into the changing room when they show the behind-the-scenes cameras, right? Obviously, he's clearly a popular guy, but it's like, yeah. But we're also seeing that. Why are all these players going to Saudi? You know, I'm not saying that, like, the money's in the same realm, but, you know, Jordan Henderson going to Saudi Arabia, he could have got a Premier League team. He's not going to go and do that to, you know, extend his belief of LGBTQ plus to the Saudi people or to go and do that. You know, look at him trundling for England, you know, this, you know, because he's barely kicked a ball or trained hard. And I think some of these players are just like, you know what? I'm taking the paycheck. Vestergaard's done it. T. Lemons did it last season. Um, you know, I think we've got multiple players who are just doing that up and down. And I think if I'm sure, you know, maybe when we get some more like the Rudkin diaries or whatever, we get a bit more intel, we'll see like this many players turn down. Like we put it on the plate. We were going to, you know, contribute or it, but it wasn't going to add up to the sum of the whole for them. So they said, no, you know, we've heard Vestergaard famously like, oh, my kids are in school now and I'm happy in Leicester. You know, I'm happy because I'm getting paid what 60 grand a week for being not even i would say not even really an average championship defender from what we've seen you know slow he's has he won a header yet this season i don't know not certainly attacking one 
Um, so what's the point in that? Um, so, you know, there's, you know, freaking seeing Johnny Evans go to Man United as well, talking about, you know, getting promoted upwards. Um, but I don't know if getting promoted into the Manchester United back four at the moment is a promotion. So, <laughs> yeah, we saw how that worked out. I, I personally feel like, as mentioned, let's, I think the focus on the incoming and what we've done, it's clearly a kind of go back to the, you know, you know, the famous, you know, Steve Walsh, you know, that season with Nigel looking at people who are going to fit the squad have got the right temperament. You know, you mentioned Eunice coming in, Jason first game when he came off the bench in the, in the um, league cup, he's, or no, he started, he, you know, chasing down people. Like I was more impressed with his tracking back and work rate than his attacking stuff. He was a bit not really doing it. He was a quite quiet again on against, against, um, Huddersfield, but sorry against Hull, but I, I, his work rate was there. Like, and I think to have that sort of gear change of we've got different people who can come in for a bit of different situations. So, you know, we bring in, you know, we bring in like a different type of left right winger, you know, Hey, right wingers, we've, how long have we been wanting one and two come in in the space of like three days, you know, like that's is right. So I really feel like, you know, him and Fatawu potential. We've seen Marcel come through that. That's the other thing for me. We're already seeing youth team players getting a chance and starting and being part of it. You know, Enzo's call of like, Hey, one year didn't, I didn't see him turn up to training, you know, and put it in after he scored a goal the week before, you know, he's got a screamer and he's like, sorry, you're, dude, you're on the, you know, you're on the bench or I think he wasn't even on the bench. Was he? Um, so, and, you know, and then we see um, McAteer come in and get two, you know, so, so I think there's something happening there. Um, there's promise, you know, less than 23 years old average age of the signings that we've got. And that includes Cody, who shockingly is only 30. I thought he was like older than that personally. Um, and so I think like we're building a team, we're building a, an ethos, um, are we, you know, so I think that's positive on that. I think like we can, I think we can get into like playing style and other stuff and what we've been doing in a little bit, but you know, I'm, I'm going to be glass half full on the, on the, on what we've got. You know, we got, we got rid of some players that we, you know, ultimately we lightened the load on, on some of that. I mean, I'm with you on the incomings. I, I, I love so far everyone that we, we've brought in and I, all of these signings make makes sense and that is refreshing because how many times have we signed players we're just not sure about or oh, where do they fit in what are, what are we what are, what's the plan here and it does seem like you know enzo has come in and he has a very clear plan he has a very clear vision of how he wants to play football and how he wants his squad to look yep absolutely Definitely does that. Um, and I guess let's dive right into it because whole, you know, thus far this year, there have been, you know, the results can't argue with the results and where we are in the table guys, but there, you know, you'd be silly to not say there've been questions about the style of play. We're talking about them uh, before the pod today and how we feel like there's just a major disconnect between some of the fan base uh, and Enzo's style of play. Now we see our first loss this year against a whole city side that came in and I, I mean, basically did 
made us uncomfortable. And it, what is crazy when you look at the stats on this uh, are 21 shots to their seven, um, are 65, damn near 70% possession to their 30% possession, 613 passes to their 342 passes. Um, a match that really was just so freaking frustrating to watch. Um, and yeah, as our first loss of the year, I'm glad that it's happened. Uh, but man, I just feel like it's, it's something that we, we now need to use to springboard, uh, into the rest of the season. Um, Jim, you want to talk about the, your thoughts on the whole match just, uh, from a zoomed out perspective? Yeah, it's been like, obviously it's been a couple of weeks now, so it's a little bit rusty, but I think it was I think it was a game where we just sort of were trying, you know, we we had a lot of the ball, we're trying a lot of things, but we also were very, very poor at like making chances and, and like really clear cut chances and finishing. And I think, I think, I think it was almost like all of the things where we had luck and the rub of the green in the other games, like someone cleaned through and they didn't score, or we kind of pulled out one, you know, we had a couple of games we scored a wonder goal. Like, we just didn't quite have that. We almost got Fatawu bailing us out to make it 1-1 with that, like, run and hit the post and, and so forth. But I think I think the thing that I I don't think it, it didn't frustrate me because it was the plan, but I can see how people were maybe getting frustrated was just the sort of Hull did a great job of kind of just putting banks behind and saying, look, play through us and come and see what you can do. And we couldn't really unlock them. You know, I think this is the bit of we're missing that sort of attacking eight who's going to contribute a goal or two. You know, there's been lots to be said about, like the strikers haven't scored a league goal yet, right? So um, I think that's a big thing. Uh, But have we... Like, but we—I think we're going to get to a point. We'll break it down when we, we when we when we've moved the ball more quickly. We've done well, but I think it's just this sort of like horseshoe around, and then playing it backwards and playing it forwards. But I think I don't think it's the same as with Rogers, where we played it backwards and we did it. I think we are doing it to kind of probe and, and break down. I think just Hull defended really well. They were aggressive. They didn't mind mixing it up. With us and put us up last ride and came us at home. And I think you could see that, uh, like, Rostinia had kind of set them up to say, like, we know what they're going to do. And the biggest thing they did is they, t- like, Callum Doyle, that was the first game we've seen him play, where he didn't, it was like, whoa, who's this guy? He's a different player from this. They just singled him out and were just like, we're going to put a fast winger on you. We're going to be aggressive. We're going to play it in the channels. And then... We saw them also really take advantage of sort of the fact we didn't have fullback and they were playing it right down those channels, like, and the last cuts in a bit more than Doyle. And so they played into that space and they, they just worked it through. And like on a different day, I could, you know, I could see us being 1 1, but I think it was almost a fair result. Yeah, it's almost like they realized that um, Callum is. Is a center back and not a left back, Jason. Yeah, look, it, it was a frustrating game. Overall, we were the better side. Uh, they scored a fairly, you know, pretty pretty lucky goal, I'd say. We didn't get the luck. 
Um, we didn't create enough clear-cut chances. Um, there's a reason why teams sit back in low blocks like that. It's because it's effective. It's difficult to break down, especially when you are a side that's like relatively organized. Let's not pretend that we haven't done that as Leicester City Football Club to, to the bigger, better teams out there, right? We've certainly done that plenty of times. We almost got away with, you know, stealing at least a point against Man City uh, just, what, last season. And Kevin De Bruyne hit a ridiculous free kick to, to get the win. So it, teams do that because, look, it's effective. They didn't hold in play much football. They sat back. They defended Yes, we didn't create enough clear-cut chances, but we also a little unlucky. Patau hits the post, another inch or two, to the right side, and 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 that's a goal. Um, you know, this is a game where just kind of the luck didn't didn't go our way. Matt, as you said, I think I got another day. You know, or, or Jim, you know, maybe we get at least a point out of that game, but. This is still a team. You know, we just were talking about the transfer window and creating a team here. This is a team that's still a work in progress. Mm-hmm. And when it takes a lot of chemistry, it takes team chemistry to break down these low blocks and to break down teams that are very organized in defense. We still don't quite have that yet, the chemistry between players, and we still are learning the system, right? And we've slotted in a few new players into the into the regular starting 11. So, yeah, right now things are a little bit paint by numbers. We're not playing um, a, f- a free-flowing football, maybe, you know, that, that Enzo would like us to, to play, it, it seems. And because players are still learning the system, they're probably going to make um, take the more cautious approach because they're trying not to, to screw up and just trying to, trying to play the safe play in the system. What my hope is, and, and I, I, I have faith that this will happen, is that as we continue through the season, we'll see a bit more braver football out of that side. We'll see passes and plays and movement off the ball that's a big that's become second nature. And yeah. players now are comfortable. They know where to be and they'll understand, you know, how to break down that low block more effectively and create more clear cut chances. I mean, Enzo is talking about this. Right. You know, it's a frustration for him too. Players have said that. Ricardo said that coming you know after after this game so i think the, the players understand what's going on they they know where the the, the current shortfalls are and I, I do think it's a matter of time um before we um it, it's still going to take some time um but maybe that is a reason why we bring in you know a tom cannon you know more of a fox in the box type of, of striker who's going to take his chance and score it, rather than in Nacho who you know will come into midfield and try to kind of bring everyone else around him. Um, Jim, you mentioned like all the different players that, that we have and all this, you know, attacking talent. Maybe McAteer moves into the middle where, where he's played, you know, quite a bit um, for, for the reserves. And, you know, I don't know if anyone caught this this week, but there was a very um, encouraging video that the club put out of Will Alves and Sammy Baybrook. Who are who are back, back. training again? And, yeah, you know, could be options for us in the middle of the field to you know to give us a bit more attacking flair and, and help us you know break down some of our opponents. So when I look at that hall game, I see a side that was a bit unlucky, and I also see a side that is very much a work in progress. 
and you know we didn't get the points but i would have predicted that we would have had our first loss earlier in the season uh, i'm not that worried about it and yeah. i don't think it's a bad time to lose before the international break the players that are still around will have extra time to work with enzo um uh but now we're, we're getting into the thick of it and we've got some um you know so, some of the bit the bigger boys in the division are, are lining up um uh, on the on the fixtures list yeah shit's about to get real and and man i think my whole thing with that i'm i've tried to you know relate to um other supporters when i'm talking to them the san diego foxes in the group here is that you know we hired an insanely ambitious manager here you guys this isn't like a guy that we just were trying to plug a hole with that was going to bring in a 4-4-2 to just try to right the ship and score goals kind of thing. Um, this is not a, a simple manager trying to play simple football. He's not, uh, you know, <laughs> pardon the, the pun from the song, but Enzo's trying to build a Lambo here. He's not trying to build, you know, a Chevy. He So this system that he's coming in and teaching, it's a complex one that involves lots of trust and that trust is not something that you can build up over the span of a fucking month or whatever he's been yep. here now um the players have to trust not only themselves they've got to trust enzo and i think when we play hole again you guys i just see us beating their ass like dead serious i think by the time we find these guys again later in the season i think we are well oiled clicking machine and i think we'll laugh at where we were earlier in the season when this team yeah. found a way to beat us because the talent is there the manager is there the only thing that we haven't had yet is the time for it all to mend and become what we think it's going to be and the transfer window is finally closed so now there's no question marks we know the roster we know who's going to be there we know who you're training with every day you know who's beside you in the locker who's sitting on you beside you on the bus things are now going to get solidified and Enzo system can start to be put into place fully and I think now that just you know encompassing everything at the club is only going to lead to very good things Jim no, 100%. And I think that's the biggest thing. To me, this is like, hey, when you go and have a golf lesson, right? It, it fucks up your game because you get told to do something that's not natural to you to change it. And you just have to ingrain that into your game. But when you've done enough practice and you've drilled it, it becomes second nature and you improve. And I think that's what we're seeing with, with Leicester, right? They've been told to do something different that they do, don't do normally. They're having to think for a split second they're also having to learn and play with a new player like let's not forget how many new people are in the starting 11 yep. so you know this is a bit like you go play a pickup game you don't know really who anyone is at the start of the game who do i pass to what do i not like i'm not saying it's the same equivalent but i think it will get there i think we're all seeing that it's it's a process and it's going to happen and i think it's just a case of look We've, we won every single game until one. You know, if you'd have just said to us, hey, going into international break, you'll have won, you know, the first five and then you'll lose or whatever, we'd be like, okay. Yeah. yeah. Sure. Off on that. And you know what? And you'll concede four goals in the league in the first, in the first games as well. You right. know, is, we're going to be like, okay, we'll play five games. We've conceded four goals. Yeah, we haven't scored that many. But whatever, we scored 
from seven, so there's a bit more. But you're going to be third in the league. You'll have played, you know, some good, solid teams. And you'll have had basically 75% new faces in the in the starting 11. Okay. And now yeah. we get, I'm taking that all day, every day. And also, you don't have Brendan Rodgers as your manager. You have a, a guy that wants to play proper football, like you said, Matt. So, look, I'm positive into the into the break. What We have never started this well. Um, if we go on a run, this is all going to be forgotten. And I feel like that's where we just have some time to go and do it. And even if we don't go on a run immediately, we're going to start stringing some matches together. At the end of the day, I don't think we're going to piss the league. It's not like so easy that we just turn up and you know people roll over backwards to let us win. They're going to try. And we're clearly the team that everyone wants to beat. Look, this is the, it's kind of this crazy, the press, we're talking about us as the team that everyone wanted to beat. Not Southampton, not Leeds, us. Like, I can't even remember them really talking much about those other two teams in terms of who's going to come straight back up, who's going to, you know, Leeds were a shambles and have kind of, you know, made a mess. Look at, look at the start they've got. I'm, tr I'm not, they've got, six points they're like bottom half of the table look where we are we've got right. 12 yeah. points we're third in the league we're above southampton we're above we're above leeds we're only off the the top spot by a point hey i'm i'm not complaining i don't think we are this pod is not complaining I yeah and look there are a lot of chicken littles out there right who are you know saying that the sky is falling yeah, yeah. um and i just I think it's a good time for everyone to who, who who might be feeling anxious because we have one loss and we haven't you know blown the doors off any of the opposition yet. It's just kind of remind everyone. It's been a little while since we've been in this division. Yeah, the championship is not decided by the first international break in September. This division is a gauntlet. You know, we have forty-one more league games left to go. All right, so get comfortable. Yeah, take yeah. a while, and that's okay. And this division is all about building momentum toward the end of the season. Yes, yeah, and going on that run and outlasting everyone else in this grueling marathon. That is what this season is. The season yep. isn't about just playing beautiful, free flowing football right from the get go, winning every game. You know, there has never been an invincible in this division, you know, playing this many games. And there's a reason why this is going to be tough. It is going to be a dogfight. We are going to win ugly games. We are going to play oppositions, uh, opposition uh, teams that are <coughs> going to set out to make games ugly and as ugly as possible. So the fact that we're getting points, that we've collected the number of points that we have, at this point in the season, to me, that's the most encouraging thing. The fact that this is a side that in every game we've been down, have tried and fought until the end, until the final whistle, um, that is the other you know positive for me. So those are those are the items that, that I'm looking at. And that's why I don't feel very discouraged. Like I didn't really care that, that we lost a hole. We were going to lose the first game eventually. Yeah. Now let's see. You know how we respond from that. Um, we've got a few interesting matchups happening, but again, like talk to me in March. 
Yeah. Losing to a a well-coached whole city side who's going to be up there at the end of the season is, is a lot different, guys, if we'd have lost, you know, to Rotherham or something like that. I, I think like there were there have been yeah. there would have been way worse games to lose. Hull had yeah. a decent window too. I mean, they're, they're not a, like in this division, they're not a bad side, and they still didn't even really try to play much football against us and you know, kind of rode their luck a bit. To, to to get through those three points yeah and i i think if you look at you look at this like the stats because i know hey chris is not here today but chris loves the stats but we're, we're making we're having like 17 and a half shots a game right let's put that in perspective how many did we have last season per game did we ever did we even match that 21 shot total at any point last season in any game I don't know, but I would be willing probably to not, man. Absolutely. And then, like, if you look at, you know, so averaging that per game, like we're looking at, then I'm just looking like shots on target is 5.4. So, put in perspective, Southampton, who are the number one most shots per game and the number one shots on target per game, they're 18.6 per game shots, 6.4 on target. So not talking a lot of difference here in that from an xg perspective we are we're like we're averaging like 1.7 per game we've scored 1.4 so you know we could be said we're a bit unlucky with how we're doing we're sort of slightly underperforming with with um our you know our, our shooting accuracy right and i think that is borne out by and this is my crazy stat now for the for the day which is if you think about where we are um like making our shots like something like only five percent of our shots are inside the six yard box so yes half our shots nearly like 48 percent are inside the 18 yard box but a lot of our shots are from outside the box and i think that to me says a lot about the chance creation that we're making and the fact that teams are sitting in this low block and not letting us get into the 18 yard box and certainly not the six yard box we've not really had a chance where we've not really kind of created a chance where we pulled it back and knocked one in really you know i think mcateer his was probably counts as inside the six yard box of his header right but we're we're trying to work these angles and we're trying to play through people and it's as you guys said it's it's going to happen and i think once once we know like once they know what each other's doing and we're going to kind of balance it out. And I think we can see people like Cassidy coming in stronger and stronger. You know, you know, obviously his first game, you know, what a, what a belter on that. But he's got an eye for goal. And then I think there's the bit of the balance of, okay, so if we've got one other attacking eight who's going to contribute and we've got then wingers who are going to start contributing and then we've got center forwards, you know, they're going to start watching those players. And I think this is where we'll see them then creating space for Vardy, creating space for Inacho. Inacho's kind of has played a pretty deep false nine for when he's played. Um, so I think we always know Jewsbury Hall is like, sorry guys, but I feel like he's a bit of a, he's a bit of a sort of Jordan Henderson X like type player. He can run up and he does a lot of running. He does puts a lot in, he creates stuff. We know he needs to kind of, do what he did preseason and against Coventry more and more. And I think there's a bit of, I wonder if he's put so much pressure on himself that he had such a flying start that he just see him trying a little bit too much 
to force a pass or not force, not even play a first time pass. He's holding it, holding it because he thinks he can do something. And we've seen a lot of shots from him from outside the box. I think even the goal game before was sort of like because he had a shot and it kind of got deflected um, towards goal. And then, you know, we scored. But we'll start, I think we'll start getting it through. And then, you know, I think just one, like we know Winks is not going to contribute. But I think if Ricardo starts actually pushing into that attacking, that we can create an overload in the middle because we know he can score a goal. We know he can play and we can trust like what we've got. And if I just worry about like the back line three being very exposed to hitting, being hit on the counter attack with so much pressure and pushing so far onto the edge of the 18 yard box that we are just playing around and we're just beaten by one ball, one ball. And best guard is, is slower than geological time. Um, I think, I don't think, I think like fast is like quite quick, but he doesn't, I don't think he reads the game super well. He's more of a reactive instinctual defender for me. Um, because, and, and the thing that I always see when, you know, I'm looking at analysis is like how many tackles do, do center backs make? And if they make a high number, certainly of slide tackles, that probably means they're actually less effective than if they're making high number of interceptions and making a high number of kind of, blocks or whatever and i feel like he does a lot of like last minute oh shit blah 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 and partly because he's covering two spots maybe but i think he's just not quite there you know and i think that's and you know maybe that's the only question mark i've got like on the pace at the back and sort of the ability to read and cody coming well, back you're big, big yeah man. that's what i was gonna say connor cody back in training uh that's huge fucking news for that back line uh no matter who you talk to that's only a positive thing for this uh defense uh proven leader a guy that's been the glue holding this team together i mean the the reports you learn or the reports you read about him he's been on the bus with the team traveling everywhere and been such a uh part of the chemistry building that is just great to hear so i think yeah connor comes in and i I think we see immediately some some big changes there in my opinion um we are at 50 minutes guys so let's dive into uh as quick as we can here southampton um Friday at noon at St. Mary's last two matches. We've lost to these guys. So we definitely owe them uh, after a couple beats defeats in the premier league. They're sitting seventh right now with a three, one and one record. Uh, They've got 10 goals four versus R seven. But the uh, big stat that jumps out to me is they have 12 goals against versus R four. So definitely uh, a back line that seems to uh, be, an even bigger mess than ours, Jason. Uh, your thoughts going into Southampton on Friday? Yeah, I think these these next three games are going to be real, you know, strong tests of us, and will let us know kind of where we are and how we're going to, you know, st- how we stack up in the division early. Again, you know, I'm not going to panic if we don't get all three points, you know, at, at Southampton. But uh, yeah, I'm, you know, people have been wanting a little bit more excitement a little bit more action and i think you get that kind of by default against this year's southampton uh, team so i'm expecting some goals um i i think i'm expecting both teams to to find the back of the net based on you know kind of how how we've been playing and and, and maybe this is kind of what we need you know we need to we've shown that we're comfortable on the ball against those teams that want to sit back 
I don't think Southampton is going to do that at home against us. I think they're going to try to assert themselves in their game. And maybe, you know, that might work in our favor. We've seemed to have done pretty well when we've um, played in games where the other side has had to kind of open up a bit and we've been able to get up the pitch very quickly. So we may not be breaking down a block of five and then a block of four to get the goal. We might only need to, you know, use our speed on the wings and and um, use those players that, that can beat a man on one-on-one to get the goal. Um, so I'm looking forward to it. Uh, I know Friday night, it's got to be a pain in the ass to, you know, get down to, to Southampton from Leicester, especially if you're trying to get back that night and not making a, a weekend of it. But a 3 p.m. kickoff on a Friday in New York City, this time of year ain't that bad at all. I have the afternoon off, so just looking forward to uh, getting down to the factory and, and getting an early start to the weekend. And we have had, you know, some fun on Fridays against Southampton before. So, yeah, just a little bit of history there for sure. Uh, that I'm jealous of 3 p.m. because I we've got a noon kickoff here in uh, San Diego. Start your weekend three hours earlier than me. I wish I could, but of course, got a new trainee at, at work that I've uh, got to devote as much time as possible into Tra- getting up to speed. Trainee them, trainee them in the ways of the Lester. Yeah, bring them right to the bar. We'll see how that would go. Um, well, I'm I'm happy for you, and and yeah, hopefully you guys get a good turnout. Um, but yeah, I'm with you, man. I think this will be such a good litmus test for where we are these next three games. Let's be real. This the meat of our schedule coming up. Um, Jim, your thoughts uh, heading into Southampton? Well, I think the the biggest stat, and I know you you guys were so excited when I told you this earlier, was this is the number one and number two teams for possession playing each other. So um, in the league, so I think we're going to see, you know, I think this will be an interesting game because Southampton look to dominate. They've been, I think, pretty impressive with their attacking play and just playing through teams. Um, Actually looking at the XG, I think it looks like they've been overscored against. So that's my only worry. Their XG against is 1.25, but their actual goals um, conceded against is around two. So um, let's hope they keep that up and they give us some, you know, easy chances, right? Um, because or they make some errors and blunders and and and, and, get and contribute. Because I think I think this is going to be a super fun, super fun game with two footballing sides who are both jockeying for, hey, we're the big dogs that went down. You know, they've probably got a chip on their shoulder that, as I mentioned earlier, no one's been talking about Southampton. They're kind of in this rebuild phase of getting all these young players in and so forth. Um, and so I'm going to be, you know, luckily trying to get out early from work as well as two o'clock, two o'clock here. So I'll be, I'll be blocking that out. And um, I'm going to be, I'm super excited for this game. This is probably the game sort of, apart from first game of the season against Cov. Um, and cop being like close to where I grew up, this is the game. I'm like, hey, this is this is a this is a pumped up one for me. Same. Yeah, same here. We're gonna know a lot after this one, guys, and I think uh, a lot of our questions will be answered um, after this. 
So uh, speaking of questions, uh, you guys, the wonderful listeners, were so kind to send in a few to the pod this week. So I would love to pull those up. Uh, totally ready for this part of the podcast. Um, Tony Wilson, friend of the pod, asks, with our first defeat against Hull, do you feel it could be used as a reality check? It felt good to get carried away a bit with the great start, but we are a work in progress with a lot of new players who need to gel and understand Enzo Ball. Tony, it's like you're in the room here beside me listening to what we have covered on the pod so far. So hopefully, yeah, we covered that for you. Uh, definitely just need to gel and uh, get that cohesion as a group, in my opinion, and, and the boys' opinion as well. Uh, LCFC Kazi says, how do you guys think uh, Ishaku did for his debut? I think he looks super promising. We did talk about Mr. Fatawu, maybe not as much as we should. That left foot looks freaking nasty, boys. That cut inside and then a, a left shot rifle, uh, certainly reminiscent of a former Algerian right winger that we used to have. Uh, so, yeah, I'm very excited about Fatawu. What about you, Jason? Yeah, he looks like a really exciting player. A uh, little bit of a different profile to our typical winger. You know, a little bit more powerful. Uh, he, especially for such a young player, he showed a lot of bravery. You know, he tried to make things happen. Um, he looked comfortable cutting inside and also, you know, going outside onto his onto his right foot. Once he, you know, he's still a very raw player. He's still so young, but um, I mean. I don't think you can ask for much more than than what he gave us in in his debut. And if he would have scored that goal, I mean, oh. wow, that would have been that would have been something else. So, um, yeah, I think he, he, you know, a lot of fans have been kind of wanting to get out off their seats a little bit and wanting that excitement. And uh, he's a player that that really might do that for us and and really make you sit on the edge of your seat whenever the ball comes near him. Yeah, it would be nice uh, definitely to get, you know, another nice piece from sporting. We've had some mixed results there as far as getting players from them. Uh, and our final one, Weston says, hey, guys, UK listener here and also massive NFL fan. Would love to know who your teams are. Keep up the great work on the pod and go Jaguars. <laughs> I don't like that part. Uh, Weston, thank you for listening, man. I am a Colts fan. I've been a Colts fan my whole life. I got a brick with my name on it in uh, Lucas Oil Stadium. Uh, so big Colts guy here, Jason. Uh, G, G men giants all the way. Um, my grandfather actually used to perform at halftime shows at giants games. He was a member oh. of a marching band called the Caballeros. It was kind of a Latin inspired marching band. We are not Latino, but that's, uh, what he played. He played conga drums. He was conga Jack. And so he would play halftime shows, uh, at giants games. And I've been a Giants fan my whole life. And one of my you know, earliest memories is uh, being very, very small at my grandfather's house uh, when the Giants played the Denver Broncos in the Super Bowl back in the 80s. Oh, that's so cool. Shout out, Conga Jack. That's an awesome story, man. Uh, Jimmy, finish it up here with your terrible team. Well, I'm a Houston Texans fan. So actually, so kind of crazily, I was an Oilers fan when um, they started showing NFL in the late 80s as a youngster. Oh, that's cool. So Warren Moon was my big quarterback in that run-and-gun offense. So um, it's kind of a bit of a round. My brother randomly was a Rockets fan in the early 90s as well, the season before they won the 
the championship with Hakeem as well. Everyone was a Bulls fan in, in the UK, unsurprisingly, during that period of the late 80s, early 90s. So he decided to be a rebel. I just like the way they played in the style. And I've, I've been uh, into NFL ever since, like playing the original Madden, where I got an American import copy for my Sega <laughs> Mega Drive and called in the UK Genesis Whoa. here. And, um, and I unashamed i probably played the bengals then because for some reason they were the best team in the game i don't know why in the original madden but <laughs> there you go so you were destined to wind up in houston is what yeah i guess like so many yeah. things have happened that caused me to get to to come here and now we have a, a quarterback who has to thinking about players who have to think about what's happening watching our last the, that's the same with cj stroud right now kind of a, a bit deer in headlights but you know he's he's doing all right considering he's like our most expensive player on the team, Laramie Tunsil, decides that he doesn't want to be I, part of the offensive line and block anyone or, or like keep getting penalties away. I will be rooting a bit for the Jags this year just because uh, in the last round of my family's fantasy football draft, I did draft um, the Jags kicker. Oh, nice. <laughs> there you go. Well, yeah, we've um... – for those of you that in the UK that might not know, the Houston, Indianapolis, and Jacksonville are all in the uh, same division, so that's why it's a little more personal there. But thank you for that question. I love um, that. That's great. Yeah, yeah, super good. Kind of switch it up a little bit. Um, also, wanted to give a shout out to a listener, KJ McNeely. He's a listener in uh, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. He reached out to the pod saying that he is looking for guys to uh, kind of start maybe a Milwaukee Foxes chapter and wondered if we could point him to any uh, other Foxes. And I was looking at our numbers and we do have some listeners in Wisconsin, usually about six to seven of you, it looks like, every uh, every pod. So... Uh, I mean, I would just be over the moon if we could somehow get you guys all together. Uh, if you want to reach out, he is on Instagram. It is kj.mcneely, M-C-N-E-A-L-Y. And uh, he is looking for other foxes to join up with him in Milwaukee and start a really cool uh, Milwaukee Foxes chapter. That would be sick. Um, but, yeah, guys, on that note, uh, I'll just take this time again to t just tell you kind of how we've grown San Diego Foxes to the point where it is. We had 16 people last week outnumbering every single Premier League group at the Bluefoot. We had 16 people there to uh, literally watch an HDMI cord plugged into a TV <laughs> off a laptop. Uh, so pretty awesome. But how, guys, how I've done that is, you know, you, you can't just limit your search for people to soccer fans. Uh, because of where we are in America, a lot of, you know, guys didn't grow up watching soccer. They grew up with the NFL. They grew up with the NBA. So what I've found success is, is you know, get that coworker that's a huge NBA fan or a huge baseball fan and just invite him over to the bar and say, you know, hey, every drink that you have on this game will be on me. No question is too stupid and I will buy your drinks. You just come to the bar, watch the game with me. If you have fun, great. Come back next time, buy your own drinks and you've got a new member. And if you don't have a good time, you've gotten free drinks and you never have to come back again. And using that approach, guys, we have built so many more members of this group by just in you know introducing him to the community introducing him to the sport and really the novelty of getting up in the morning to you know get together with your friends and drink beer is pretty awesome once you get guys uh into it so that's how i would suggest growing um your group and just introducing guys to the 
into the game and this amazing team. And next thing you know, you'll have three, four, five, six members, and it just goes from there. Yeah, bring bring some some friends with you, you know, from the, the beginning to just you know meet up with you to to watch that game and listen. All you need is another person, then you have a group. Bingo. Right. That's all you need to do is just find that one other person who's uh, who's going to be down to to meet up with you, maybe down to kind of do some of the tweets for you, etc. Uh, but all you need is one other person, and then you you have your group. Um, and so, um, just. I think that's just the, the first step and just think of it that way. And you will, you will grow. More people will find out that person will have a friend who'll ask them, oh, what are you doing? Saturday? Oh, you know, I'm going down to watch the game, you know, Hey, come, come join us. And, yeah. you know, and, and it'll start to go. And then next thing you know, like someone will know something like, Oh, you support this lesson team. You know, my coworker does, or my neighbor's a big Leicester fan. I'm going to tell them about you and they're going to come down and watch with you. And then next thing you know, you'll have, you know, a, yep. a big, strong, you know, Milwaukee Foxes crew. Exactly. And, yeah. Exactly. And and guys, too, um, you'd be shocked, too, like as your groups grow, you start getting people from Leicester noticing you and then they come on vacations and they reach out. We had three people from the, uh, from Leicester in the bar uh, with us this weekend. Shout out to Jacob and his sister. So, um, you know, honestly, guys, it, it, it just will go naturally and it's just a fun, fun thing to start and a fun thing to uh, continue with. So yeah, guys, just, just give it a little effort and it'll, it'll all come together. But yeah. Um, so if you are listening though, and you are, uh, Matt, do you, did you get a tweet from um, from an account? If, can we it's, it, like I said, and... yeah, it was Instagram actually. KJ okay. McNeely, KJ dot If you are in Milwaukee, reach out to that young man and uh, get a group together because that would be sounds good. Just and we'll awesome. put out a call, you know, on the New York Foxes account too because we we've certainly had folks uh, I know through the years who have joined us from different parts of Wisconsin when they've been in in New York. Um, I know that there are, there are some some really great you know football communities in Milwaukee, in Madison, you know, and other places in in all the cities in 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 Wisconsin. Um, a lot of different clubs are, are represented out there. Um, after the um, after the helicopter crash, you know, five years ago, um, the New York Foxes group we received um, a really touching letter. Uh, from you know a bunch of uh, groups in Wisconsin uh, who all supported various clubs. It's something that you know I still keep here, you know, in my house. It's a nice little reminder of you know what the the, the football community can be, um, and you know how how different types of people can can come together uh, during during some tough times. And so I know there are a lot of great fans out there in in the great state of Wisconsin, and uh, I have no doubt that we will start seeing and sharing photos of a uh, of an awesome Milwaukee Foxes group hell yeah guys um on that note uh you mentioned uh the helicopter crash Jason uh we did have a report come out last week that kind of put some you know finality to the to the story and um the tragedy and and filled in a lot of questions and um things that were kind of still up in the air about what happened um basically from everything that came out in the thing it's it was what we already knew that 
you know, the pilot was an absolute hero, um, did everything he could uh, in an absolutely devastating situation that there was nothing he could have done. And it was good to finally get a little bit of um, clarity on that. Yeah, I mean, you know, uh, certainly our hearts go out to and we'll always go out to, you know, couldn't be shy and pilot Eric Swaffer and co-pilot and his partner, uh, Isabella Lekowitz, um, and then the passengers, Kaverporn Pimpare and uh, Nusara um, Tsunami. And and those are names that, that you know, will be a part of, of our story and, and, and folks that we will, you know, do our best to remember um, forever. Um, but you know, uh, Eric Swaffer uh, certainly goes down as a as a as a true hero. I think under such harrowing and, and circumstances, and really without much time at all, um, the report did show that he did everything possible and it took all of the appropriate actions to try to save lives, um, and you know, uh, was almost able to to do so. And so I you know I hope when 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 people hear that name. And, and think of the tragedy they think of him and and the hero that he was uh that night and also uh the report showed that there were two very very police officers who who rushed to the crash and, and tried to save and uh the lives of, of those on board um and just uh an incredibly selfless and selfless and, and and dangerous thing to do to try to save other people's lives and and so when we think about you know this night and the tragedy um you know we will be able to kind of remember that there were you know heroes you know in in the helicopter near the near the the crash and, and people doing whatever they could to to save others and um and uh, you know well nothing makes this you know any better but um I think it's good for the record to now show that you know these folks and any everyone there like we're, we're not at fault for anything and then if anything um did you know went above and beyond for for everyone around them definitely uh on that note guys we'll go ahead and wrap it up uh like we said southampton on friday noon west coast and three o'clock east coast uh so get to the bar if you can bring your friend and uh let's get a nice three points against southampton uh heading into this brutal little chunk of the schedule here um thank you as always for joining us here on the u.s foxes podcast once again it has been a pleasure for jason in new york jim in texas and chris pushing the buttons behind the scenes here in san diego i am matt and we will see you next time on the u.s foxes here's guys